but I really do like to write about titles. I, I like to come up with a title that writes itself. Mm-hmm. So it's everybody's solution. You don't have to really live by the lyrics that are there. That's up for the artist to do. But, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, and some of the, sometimes that feeling comes out of the writer herself. If somebody's doing cover songs all the time, but some written by somebody else, if right. they have input, that's different. And I remember working with a guy like Rod Stewart. And I've always made comment that when I worked with Rod way back when he sang a song as though it was going to be the last song he'd ever sang in his life. Wow. Knowing that he would go home that night if he lived and change the lyrics, knowing that. <laughs> This is Tokyo tonight. Be able to do this interview from laughing so hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we want. We want it. We want a good forty-five minutes of just pure laughter, and then a couple. How you doings? Yeah, we'll double from forty minutes to five minutes of seriousness. There you go. <laughs> I lo- I really do. I think I told you backstage, man. But I love the new album. I'm excited you got to do it. Um, and uh, it's just been uh, the, the coolest thing about it, and it, what you just told me, and I didn't even realize it at the time, is that uh, this was done on an iPhone. The vocals are, yeah. Vocals were done mm-hmm. on an iPhone, yeah. But I mean, yeah. like that's that's got to be like new for you, first of all. But also, like, did you believe them when they told you that you could do it on an iPhone, or were you like, okay, but seriously? Was never <laughs> even mentioned. I I think I've mentioned before that. Uh, when I was sent some of the vocal tracks, I really mm-hmm. did was impressed with this guy's vocal. I said, where's right. he been all my life? Well, he's doing other things. That's why our paths never crossed. And of mm-hmm. course, I've been in Europe for about 50 years. So. <laughs> 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 I've come home for two weeks and go back out for a month, you know, doing that forever. Sure. Oh, wow. For the last 19 years with the Blues Brothers Band, is, you know, pretty taxing, but in the road life, no matter what. And uh, the thing is that when I was out with uh, Neil Young and, it, and Jimmy Buffett, people like that, they really made the road over here very comfortable. Right. And over there, we're rough and toughing it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the guys, you know, we check into a hotel where they put us, and they'd be back in the lobby within 15 minutes. They didn't like the room. I said, guys, when the lights go out, they're all the same. <laughs> <laughs> When you're when you're on the road with Neil Young and Jimmy Buffett, what's the two differences between those guys when you're on the road with them? Are they basically is it all, well, all kind of the same? We all know the difference. The thing about Jimmy Buffett, <laughs> he prided himself in being the fast out guy. Okay. And I remember one time we were playing uh, the Coliseum in Denver, the mm-hmm. outdoor football yeah. stadium in Denver, Colorado. Yeah. And uh, the thing about when we finished the last song, we would run to the limo and head to the airplane because. Wow. While we were on stage, the guys, you know, their helpers and all would pick up everything in the dressing room. And it would be right there. So we never lost anything. And I remember he got, people wanted more songs and we're gone, you know. So we, get there, we had a motorcycle escort. We're driving 100 miles an hour through Denver. And uh, we get to the airport and take off. And uh, the guy, the pilot circles the arena. 
Mm -hmm. And people were still yelling and screaming 15 minutes later for another song. We were already in the air. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Jimmy Buffett doing the fast outer. Wow, that's that brilliant, man. In, oh, my. That was so many years ago. I was 90-something when, when we did that. So Yeah. And I've been a good friend ever since. He, make it, he got better as a singer, and he's making better records, I think. He, yeah, I agree. Nowadays, is just incredible. He and seems I, like I, a really I, chill guy. Uh, Margaritaville. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they do a variety. They play something. They play songs other than just Jimmy Buffett. They play a lot of reggae. That's what right. got started on it. Then I got to listen to Jimmy. I said, I used to work with that guy. Man, he, is, <laughs> he makes pretty good records. He so does. If he that back when, I don't know if it ever changed life or not, but uh, he already had all those hits out there. Yeah. Yeah, he seems like a really fun, like, I feel like a Jimmy Buffett concert or just going to see him must be a really chill environment. You know what I mean? There's like really relaxed, a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And people come there to have a great time. Right. I'm not really concerned about what you play or don't play. And then right. you know, you're up there on stage thinking, you know, I'm King Kong. I'm playing my butt off. They don't really care about it. They're there for a good time. <laughs> and they know when they go to a Jimmy Buffett concert, they're going to have a see and hear a good time. Right. You know, that's awesome. That's all that sharp business and all that other stuff. And I went, oh, man, that is so cool. Yeah. And yeah. you mentioned also Neil Young. I think one of the things that I remember more than anything, Neil is a great talent. Mm-hmm. But uh, we were playing, and, and Doug Dunn came over, and he punched me, and he said, look. And so we're playing uh, Merriweather. No, not Merriweather. We were playing up in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And he had that record at Harvest Moon. And yeah, the big yeah. old moon is coming up over the audience. And I wasn't paying attention. You know? Doug comes over, and looks, and looks up there, and I went, wow. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing Harvest Moon. <laughs> Oh my God! I never saw it, so it didn't matter. But it did to us. Yeah, yeah. Did you guys ever ever have any like close encounters with the audience? Maybe breaking their way backstage, that kind of a thing. <laughs> close encounters <laughs> of the thirty audience. Let's see, uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Nah, I, it's just they're always excited. The same thing with the Blues Brothers; they're excited. Yeah. And they know, I think most of the people in Europe by now know after so many years that they're not going to see necessarily a comedy show. Right. And yeah. they didn't with the, with when Belushi was alive, they didn't see comedy. They saw yeah. a comedian doing very serious music. Yeah. And so we got a lot of original press and flack about playing. And I said, wait a minute, guys. They didn't know this. I said, Belushi used to front a band, play drums, and sing. And Ackroyd really is playing a harmonica. They didn't want to yeah. believe it. They'll believe it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw um, a couple of video clips of you and Ackroyd and stuff on stage. It looks like you guys are just having a blast. Is we that were, what it was? Yeah, it was just about the fun? The music was serious, but we had fun playing it. That's amazing. Yeah, so exactly, yeah. It was great. And Belushi made it fun. But he's yeah. a great guy. He was just a super guy. Never refused a fan an autograph. He was one of those kind of artists. I've been with some that snub everybody, including their mother and father. Not <laughs> <laughs> Belushi. Everybody was his new best friend. That's that's the way I looked at uh, Otis Redding and Roger Stewart. It was just everybody's new best friend at the time. That's so great to hear, man. I always made you feel comfortable. Yeah. Nice. That, that's really awesome to hear. What was the, I mean, you know, you were, you were inside during COVID, obviously, like the rest of us. Everybody had to do their thing. Was it, you know, was it the fact that you were locked down that kind of brought on all this new, you know, the new I, way of doing I the album. Probably it did definitely had an influence on it. And uh, the fact that uh, I have made comment before that when you're in a lockdown, you work on stuff that you've had in your head for a long time. 
sure. you're not really in the mood for creating a lot of new music. Right. You know, you did when you wrote the song. So yeah, a yeah. lot of these songs were written for uh, Fidus Cavalier and so forth. And he, he played on one or two of them. I forget it. I think on this album, he's playing on some, we got his permission to do it, to use it. Nice. But during the time we, we, John Tiven and I, the co-producer used to write once or twice a week, every Tuesday for sure. And sometimes on Fridays. So we had all these tracks. So, uh, Felix Cavallari said, uh, you know, I've already played on a couple of these things, but I'm not going to sing any of them and I'm not mm. going to write any new songs. So I just thought they were dead, you know, right. forget about them, sweep them away and throw them away. And John brought them to life during the pandemic. He got the list and he said, do you mind if I finish these up? I said, no, go ahead. Wow. Well, he did a good job. Yeah. And That's I said, it. you know, about the lead guitar and all that, I said, I don't want to do anything till it's all finished, the vocals and all that. I like to play to what I'm hearing. Right, and, right. Uh, yeah. I've done some some the opposite way, and the artists are smart enough to play around some of the things that I do because I would step on some of the lyrics if they changed it up too much. So. Right. That's actually pretty cool. We, we <clears throat> I was wondering what your process was like because I feel like a lot of musicians and stuff like that that we talk to tend to write all their music first and then worry about lyrics later. But you like right. to well, you like to fine. hear what they're doing and then play along with it. Right. So that's I a, look at vocal singers. They're singing a melody, and it's yeah. just as an instrument. If you listen to it, if you just throw it away, it's fine. You know. Yeah. And uh, I'm one of those writers. I really do like to write about titles. I, I like to come up with a title that writes itself. Mm -hmm. So it fits everybody's solution. You don't have to really live by the lyrics that are there. That's up for the artist to do. But, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, and some of the, sometimes that feeling comes out of the writer itself. If somebody's doing cover songs all the time, but some written by somebody else, if right. they have input, that's different. And I remember working with a guy like Rod Stewart, and I've always made comment that when I worked with Rod way back when, he sang a song as though it was going to be the last song he'd ever sang in his life. Wow. Knowing that he would go home that night if he lived and change the lyrics, knowing that. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. If I knew it, he, I knew he knew it. But he would do that. He did that to a lot of songs. He'd take a track that he sung on, but he sang his heart out so the musicians would get the feeling of the song. Then yeah. he'd go home and rewrite the song. <laughs> he always wrote around all the licks and stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is always interesting. Like I love, I, you know, I've been to a bunch of concerts and stuff like that. And it's funny, like there's some artists that kind of play it exactly the way you hear it on the album and the audience can sing along with it. And I've gone to some concerts where I don't know if they do it because it's more fun for them or if they're just fucking with the audience, but they'll, they'll add new lyrics. They'll change the melody. Like people are trying to sing along with it and they're like, I can't, I don't know what he's doing. And it, and I like that too. It's just, it's just their different approach. Yeah. Okay. Do you have that a feeling either way? Of... And I know a guy that's real good at it. And he, oh. But he does it to stump the band, not the audience. God, right, right, and, right. Uh, there's a very, very famous guy that loves to sing the lyrics to another song, to this song. <laughs> and the band goes, what the heck is he singing? <laughs> <laughs> he likes oh my to God. a lot of confusion with the band. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> oh, He's never... genius oh. enough to be able to do that. Ah, oh, you got to tell me who it is in the bat when we end because I want to know. <laughs> That's amazing. And I don't know if I fall in that category or not, but I like to play songs similar to the record because right. I figure the person that's going to pay a lot of money to come and see you came to see you because of the record they've been listening to. I agree. Yeah. So yeah. you know, playing a whole album, new stuff, and refusing to play your hits, I think is a bad move. That's just me too. My opinion. Yeah. 
No, you know, I agree. I to hear. Don't you know that you don't necessarily have to do everything, but if you do one of those songs, do something they're familiar with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. It is kind of weird when bands get that that kind of uh I don't know what the attitude is that they get about it, but where they're like annoyed that people like the song that made them famous. And it's like, dude, just play the fucking <laughs> song. Like that's well, why they're here. You know, I get accused of being a musician. I may be, but <laughs> I'm not good enough to just play for myself. I'm good enough to to duplicate some of the songs that I've had out, and that's about it. Yeah. Oh my God. I was watching uh, a, an interview with um, John Mellencamp. I think it was okay. once, right? And I, I didn't know this about. I, I like John Mellencamp. I like, I like his music. So yeah. I had no idea that this guy, like, he just seemed like he hated performing his songs and his music. And he was like, "I'm a painter," and he's like, "You know, I don't care." And and they were like, "Well, what about the?" you know, the, the hits that you've had and the albums and the audiences and stuff, they love your music. And he's like, I don't care. I paint. And I want to be like, dude, the only reason anybody gives a shit about your paintings is because you're John Mellencamp. <laughs> like it was such a weird <laughs> attitude to have. Be something else. <laughs> <laughs> it was John Cougar Mellencamp. He took the Cougar out. I don't blame him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I was on the road with the Blues Brothers. I remember the talking to one of the secretaries, and mm -hmm. we were at the Meriwether Post Pavilion in Baltimore, I guess it was. Mm -hmm. And uh, so she said, "Guess who's in Studio B? That's where we cut. Ain't even done with the night, no songs." And <laughs> and I said, "Who?" She said, "John Mellencamp." I said, "Get out of here." So he booked <laughs> Studio B in Cherokee in L.A. and got our backup engineer our tech Jimmy mm. wow <laughs> and then he goes back in later and cuts american fool oh man i mean yeah. what a song that is right and that all came out of his head yeah that's and that's I, the amazing you know, thing it's like i remember the first day that i recorded him i said i've got to have my drummer I can't do it and so the drummer i said i'm not sending you home i'm gonna make you sit in the couch and listen to my drummer you know what his <laughs> name was kenny Harrison. Wow. Oh, uh, became one of the world's greatest drummers of all time. That's fantastic. So I'd like to Holy think shit. I had a little bit to do with it. And his oh, yeah. <laughs> and he That's told us, I was telling that story in an interview over in uh, Norway somewhere. And he backed me up. He said, everything Cropper says is the truth. Wow. <laughs> I didn't make it up. I've yeah. had to bless it a little to get people to laugh, but I don't make this stuff up. Yeah, that's <laughs> so what was a uh, fire it up is the is the um you know title title of the album title track and uh i really really like that one is that kind of personal to you in a way like did that come from well no i mean uh i think i mentioned that fired up most people think that's fire up the grill because it was it ain't over yet guys right <laughs> <laughs> real too hot go go buy the meat set the cold on fire but don't worry about it you got to poke it a little longer Right, but it's about a relationship. Sure, let's fire it up. Let's get this right. thing going. You give me yours, I'll give you mine. Let's fire it up. Yeah. So I, uh, listen. After the pandemic, I'm thing, totally on board with that. So, so far, so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely is a lockdown album. That band had never been in a studio before in its life. Right. It still have yeah. we we rehearsed in the studio several months ago to do four songs as a live performance. For a podcast somewhere i forget what it was but anyway. oh wow and that that's the first time we've ever seen each other in the studio we have talked you, on the phone a lot but you know yeah have you been yeah, able to do any <clears throat> have you been able to go back out yet not yet we will sometime hopefully nice. 
Yeah, we want to come see you when you do go back out because that'll be uh, right. that'll be fucking amazing. It's not good um, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I know. Have you? Did you? Did you miss it? Like not being able to go out live and stuff like that, or were you kind of uh, taking the I've been time? Doing it so long that I guess no, I didn't miss. It. I should have missed it, but I didn't miss it. The routine of right. it, maybe. But uh, I don't know about the playing and all that. I play here anytime. Yeah. And I still write, so I have a lot of fun with that. And uh, yeah. I'm in Nashville. That's the uh, the home of songwriting, I think. Uh -huh. And we, you know, have been recently working on a few. Not for the not for the band for this album, but uh, not to follow up anything. It's just uh, you know vocal songs. And when it's time, it, it is. And they said, "You still write?" I go, "Yeah." If there's a project, yeah, to write, just to be writing. No, it's not a habit of mine. Right. I write when there's a budget and an artist that really looking for stuff and all that kind of thing. Yeah. If you've got an impetus and a motive to do it, I totally understand that. Um, it's, it's cool because I mean, who, you know, you're in Nashville now, but who were your influences when you were growing up? Did you have somebody that you like emulated when you started? Well, <laughs> yeah, we all emulated from the same people. So the <laughs> first time, not the first time, but when I really got into people like Les Paul and Chet yeah. and so forth and BB King, I said, the world doesn't need another one of those. <laughs> and uh, I'm not sure I created anything that was. And uh, my influence would be a guy named Roman Pollen with the Five Royals. Oh, okay. And I had an album out called Dedicated. Dedicated the one I love, but I, you know, chopped it down to just the word dedicated. <laughs> and uh, my feeling about it was very simple. I said, if the family, his family, gets one cent out of that record, it's worth it for me to do. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Did you ever get to so meet him? His son came to me. I, I got him inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And uh, his son came to me and he said, you know, he said my dad was on a and on the back page of the obituary when he died. They could spell his name wrong. Oh. <laughs> North Carolina. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's uh, what was I didn't know that either. No, no, I didn't know that either. Um, what was the, uh, I mean, you know, when you started and stuff like that, you had your, you know, did you want to be more of a writer when you started or were you just interested in the music and the playing? Like what was your first instrument? You know, How did you know. get into it? People have asked me that through the years. I did everything because I had to. So okay. I'm more of an on the job training kind of a guy. Right. And I compared it to a son of a, of a famous plumber. He mm. may not know the, the ropes as being a plumber, but he knows how to fix a water leak at a pipe. <laughs> 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 Then he winds up takes over the business. Of course, sometimes it goes under because he doesn't know the business. <laughs> and, uh, and I will say this on the interview. People come to me and said, you know, my son's picking up guitar. I have some a son or something wants to take up music. Do you have any advice? Yeah, learn the business. Because right. learning music and not knowing what to do with it doesn't mean anything. If you don't yeah. know, that's fine. But if you want to make it in this business, find somebody who believes in you, either a lawyer or a manager or somebody that really knows the business and can do it. Yeah, I that's the hardest part. I, you know, there was not that much competition <laughs> when I was coming up, so I knew right. what to do. And and uh, my main thing, I used to hang out with the disc jockeys, like you guys. Okay. So nice. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Plays <laughs> if if I impress you as a person, I think. Yeah, you already know the album. Yeah, but you would spend it maybe one extra time or something if if I'm nice enough to for you to enjoy and get a kick out of it. So. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree, man. Yeah, that's that's the way I've always been. But the problem for the last twenty years has been no DJs. I know. Nobody to talk to. If <laughs> you call yeah. the radio station, and I will, I will hear something on the radio, I'll call in, and they'll say, uh, "I don't recognize that title." And I go, "Well, that's that's what they were doing in in those days." 
Yeah. yeah, they yeah. Say, I love you a million times, and they call it the Blue Dove or the Great Fence Post or something like that. <laughs> I questioned one time, and they said, well, that's the way we identify that. Right. If you call it by what the song is singing about, nobody remembers. If you call yep. it something else like the Dixie Cup, <laughs> you yeah. remember that. Okay. <laughs> it's good marketing. And vinyl came out. That's another one. Another kind of a pet peeve in a way. Vinyl came out. Yeah. If it didn't skip, pop, and jump, then you wouldn't buy it. I said, man, I spent two years of my life trying to get rid of that crap. <laughs> Pops and crackles and all that stuff. And now that's what they want. The kids want to hear that. So, okay. <laughs> Yeah, man, it, it is weird that you're right. There's nobody, there is nobody to talk to you. I mean, I kind of, you know, uh, it's changing, thank God. Yeah, it, it, well, yeah, I hope I know. Now there's too many of us. guys right now. You better believe it. Yeah, coming back. Trust me. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I hope so. I hope so. You know, I mean, that, that's the thing. Like, I talk to some people, and they're basically like, you know, even even in comedy, you know what I mean? Like, I'll go to on these meetings, these network meetings or whatever, and then people who've come before me will be like, it used to be a guy with a cigar sitting in an office, and he would be like throwing shit against the wall and being like, yeah, try it. And now nobody wants to take a risk. Nobody wants to take a chance. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah, and, it is. Uh, I've always said about comedy, since we're on comedy, I yeah. know writers write the comedy, but it takes the guy to deliver that message that goes over to the to the fans yeah absolutely so yeah yeah who are your favorite comics i don't have one i don't have a favorite of anything whoever i'm watching at the time oh that's I mean, great I'm oh, good. Same ones everybody else does and i'm, I'm then i'm going to say people like george burns you mentioned the guy with a long cigar oh yeah, yeah. come up to my armpit he was so short amazing <laughs> i met him when he was about what 80 98 or 99 he lived to be over 100 he was a little bitty guy yeah he did yeah. live to be over 100 you yeah know? but he had a long cigar and that was a prop yep yeah. it was a prop yeah yeah it's like dean martin and his alcohol yeah <laughs> pretty funny yeah um, I, by the way, one of my favorite songs I just have to tell you is Midnight Hour. I've spent like so much time coming home late at night from a gig and I'll just blast that uh, like one, two o'clock in the morning. It's such a great, great song. And I, and I caught it on, um, I caught you playing it again live on, on YouTube, I think, uh, like a couple of years ago. Is right. that just, do you ever get tired of playing something like that or do you still enjoy no. it? I have fun playing it. That's beautiful. Maybe because it's simple. But I don't know, but it's, <laughs> it has a backbeat that makes you want to dance. I know that, and I remember the time we cut it. Jerry Wexler was doing a jerk, and we caught. We thought he was shadow boxing, and he's right. pulling down and doing a jerk. <laughs> that was the dance of the day. So it was what it was. And he told me I had something else written, and sometimes I play part of it. But he said, Steve. He said, you know that lick you're playing. I said, yeah. He said, well, just play backbeats. So they tell me they've been. They asked me many times. They said, "Well, if you didn't have headphones in those days, how did you? How were you so tight with Al Jackson?" I said, "Pretty simple. I watched his left hand come down. I came down when he came down. Wow. So I was more into that, making that feel good. And the thing about that song, Midnight Hour, Tom Dowd took it back to New York and flew Al Jackson up there to do the backbeat on it because he didn't wow. think it was loud enough in the recording." Holy shit. And Al is so good, it sounds like one drum hitting. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I didn't even know they did that. A million times, you're going to get the same conclusion. Wow. One drum. No, it's two drums. And the guitar is three hitting at the same time. It sounds so (laughs) big. Wow. I'm sure you've been (laughs) asked this a million times. Very important, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah. Absolutely. I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, but I got to get it for our viewers. Why do they call you the Colonel? Uh, I guess, well, the, the only way I can put that is with the ROTC experience. I did six years of it, mm -hmm. four in high school and two in college. And, uh, I, you know, I don't mean to do that, but my, my daughter says it, my wife says it. So to stress a point, if you disagree with me, to stress my point, I will raise my voice. And I said, that all comes naturally. The guy right. in the back row needed to hear what I had to say. And I said, God, I feel so sorry for the guys in the front row. They must have wanted to kill me. <laughs> oh, that's great. My daughter says, Dad, you sound mad. I said, no, I'm not. I don't have a yeah. mad bone in my body. I'm not mad at anybody. I don't hate anybody. I'm not mad at anybody. Right. But I do raise my voice to stress a point. And I, if you, in the, a guy that I admired a lot, uh, in movies and uh he uh, would always talk real loud he wanted everybody in the audience to hear everything he said some guys nowadays so a lot of actors and actresses speak under their breath almost it's so soft. oh yeah you have to turn it way up you still can't understand some of the things i said yeah and yeah. All, like i feel like all independent movies is just a competition between actors to see who can speak the softest and i'm just like what well, <laughs> I'm back on the songwriting. I think it's a competition. Uh, we back back on comedy. It's a competition of writers and movies. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Once, once an actor learns their craft, I don't think it's a battle of the actors anymore. Nope. Comedy yeah, I agree. Acting is is a whole other world, and I know about that. I've lived out in L.A. 13 years. Yeah. Did you? And uh, I auditioned for a few things and got a few and and had fun doing it. But I didn't want to spend my whole life doing that. So. Right. I have more fun yeah. with the music. So I was that's perfect because that's what I was gonna ask you next. Is you 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 never really had any other uh interest like did you have any other interest to do anything else or was it always just music? Well, let's put it this way. I, I don't know. I had something to fall back on if music didn't make it. Okay. But my parents never discouraged me. They never said, Oh, you're gonna be a musician, you'll never make it. They never said that. Wow. That's they great. Promoted, if anything. And it, and I got lucky, it turned out okay. Yeah. Okay, that's that an understatement. Very simple. They couldn't afford a second guitar player. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you remember your first gig? I do. At Stacks, I do. My first oh, nice. gig? Oh, no. I, maybe, I don't know, high school gig. Oh, I'm okay. My first session at Stacks, a little song nice. called I'm Going Home with Prince Conley. Wow. And the reason I was on it is Chip Spoman, who was the A&R director and a lot of other things, wanted the engineer. So mm -hmm. he brought in this artist, Prince Connolly, did a record on him and told me what to play, hummed it to me. And I'm going home was the name of it. And he was a pretty well-known artist in Memphis, worked at the club handy and, you know, he got around and people knew who he was and all sorts of stuff. Was that the first time you were paid as an artist? Yeah. Wow, well, as a guitar man. player, as a guitar, <laughs> I'm still trying to get paid as an artist. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um, what, when you're on the road and stuff like that, and you're doing that kind of those kind of tours and and going out with all these different guys, uh, was there any point where you were kind of like, I could do this? Up? Like, what was the point where you were like, I could do this on my own? You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't, I want to go and and try new things and stuff or. Were you always just enjoying the time you had? 
I enjoyed the time I had, and I'm I'm one of those guys that I enjoy being around all the other musicians. Right. Not, when yeah. I play, I'm not playing for me. I'm playing for them as well. So nice. If they don't like it, they'll tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I never play for me to satisfy me. I, I'm such a critic, and I've never. I don't think there's. I've ever had a song one or two in my lifetime where I was a solo writer on. Right. I co-write everything because I love that spinoff, that camaraderie between two people. If I I say, what do you think about this? And they go, yeah, or no, nah, let's try this. Okay. <laughs> right. So I'm always yeah. listening to the other guy. I've always done that all my life. Maybe that's one of the secrets of success. I don't know. It's always better with other people when they're in the room. Even, even when you do, I mean, it, you know, like as a stand-up, you know, you write by yourself for your material on stage, but I always liked being collaborative with other funny people that's or just, great. or just creative people in general. Oh. You know what I mean? Like it's, there's nothing better than being in a room with somebody who understands the way you think the business and says, and gives you a compliment and pass it. Say, do that again. I love yeah. that. When somebody says that lick, you just played, do that again. Okay. This lick. Yeah. That lick. Yeah. And that spurs me. That gives me so much excitement. It's amazing. Right. And I remember, uh, one of the, you mentioned him earlier. We talked about Neil Young a little bit. Yeah. He said one time in an interview, he said the day that they call me a musician made my whole life. Wow. Yeah. Uh, He's been the godfather of grunge for a long time, but he said the day they call me a musician, I got the message and it, I really appreciate it. So, yeah, isn't it weird how just that that little bit of acknowledgement can like keep you going or yeah, just set you a on it? Yeah, it does. It is. It's like what you were saying before about having, um, you know, or kind of like knowing the business and having somebody that you know backs you and believes in you it's such a huge difference from doing anything on your own. Like once you have a manager or even somebody like that, who just somebody in your corner, it gives right. you this whole boost of confidence for some Absolutely reason. You know? encouragement. Everybody yeah. needs yeah. that a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, having your parents say that 24 hours a day, all your life, you wind up a mess. Yeah. <laughs> good. She ain't that good. Or she yeah. ain't that good. <laughs> oh, honey, that's good. Do that again. No, you, you don't want to hear that every day. But it's nice to hear it every, you know, once a week or once a month or something. It's good right. to have a little encouragement. How do you feel about those shows that are currently on and stuff like that, like The Voice and American Idol and all that? Do you, do you feel like it's necessary for exposure? Uh, for artists? Do you think it I have mixed feelings about it, but we have a friend that's on The Voice right now, Wendy Moten. And she's oh, yeah. Good. We'll find out tonight if she moves on to tomorrow night. If she does, who knows what will happen? Yeah. She's the one that fell and broke her arms and all that still went out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cast oh, yeah. right Great. I, I have similar situations where sometimes i've got a friend who's on one of those shows and i'm always like this is going to be great exposure no matter what and you're just happy for them to do it and then sometimes you see people that are on there and you're just like you feel bad because it's like they just picked them to get you know you know what i mean like those people yeah. that are, I, don't, I don't even want to mention any names well, you know those people that are like mean. and uh, the thing the thing about records mm -hmm. i know i have met most artists not most of them but a lot of them yeah, and some of them are very deserving, and some of them you just go, "How'd they get to where they got been?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I worked for them, I'd be wanting to kill them. But I don't know. I mean, just push them out of your life. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not literally speaking, that would be uh, that's the best advice we've had on this show so far. Just push them out of your life. <laughs> push them out of your life. Go that's away. great. <laughs> some of them are very deserving. Some aren't. Who knows? Yeah. 
that's just how it goes, I guess. But it's just kind of funny. You're like sitting there on. I remember, I remember doing that with like Last Comic Standing or something like that, where you're just watching the TV and you're just like, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> 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 if I watch this for one more hour, yeah, <laughs> I'm kill oh my god, yeah, that is great. Well, I, I said that yesterday. And my wife immediately got her attention. She come over. She said, Steve, there are kids in the house. I said, oh, okay. I forgot about that. <laughs> so after she walked out, the mother said, you know, my son came home from kindergarten using the F-bomb. <laughs> <laughs> so they all use it today. I, I remember the first time I heard my son say it in front of his mom. I went, you <laughs> oh my, but that's gotta be that's gotta be a great excuse though like if a teacher is like where'd you hear that word you're like steve cropper said it and they're like <laughs> yeah oh, fuck like, i can't argue with that <laughs> my record didn't make it it's cropper's fault <laughs> 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 on it, might have had a chance there you go <laughs> <laughs> oh my god when you were when you were young and you were starting out you know uh did you was it again i'm gonna ask a similar question but was it always about the music for you or did you have a um like goal set for yourself were you like okay i'm i want to be here at this point i want to be here at this point uh no i didn't have, have a goal i didn't have a number in mind like golf pros do they know what right. to go out and shoot that day yeah <laughs> I, never, I never know what just let it flow and do what it does and if i, if I tick somebody off and they don't like what i'm doing they'll tell me about it Sure. I'll find out soon enough. And I have I can brag about one thing. I don't ever remember having a bad show. Wow. Wow. Playing That's great, band. man. Everybody just uplifts. Maybe for some rehearsals you go, oh my God, I hope we get through tonight. But if when, yeah. when the lights are on and the camera's rolling, they just come to answer the call. That's you know, they just come to the forefront. Yeah, do you, yeah, I feel like that's got to be like a bit of a secret to almost anything in life because it feels like if you try to control stuff too hard, it's going to derail. But you seem to be just going with the flow and everything goes, you know, pretty well. Do you agree with that? Or? Yeah, I've been lucky from that standpoint. And yeah. uh, about knowing the end result, I use that sometimes as in production. You've mm -hmm. got to be able to hear a raw song, song finished and you work towards that end to get it finished. Yep. It may come out a little different than what you had in mind, but you know, when you add something, it sometimes takes on a different approach or different feel. Yeah. But you gotta you gotta be able to hear something in the raw finished, I think, right. to become a good producer. Yeah, you could hear the vision where it's gonna be, not where it is yeah, at the moment. Where it should be, right. Yeah. Nice. That makes a good <laughs> producer. I don't know. How do you <laughs> They said, Man, you wrote this, you wrote that. I said, Yeah, but what about the other three hundred that didn't make it? <laughs> you know me for three or four songs and then you don't know me anymore <laughs> right i have a question for you so my question is music to me when i hear something it'll take me to a certain place in time and since you've created some iconic songs that you'll hear everywhere all the time when right. you when you hear that song does it bring you back to making it or does it bring you to a certain point in your life or something well uh, you know some of the songs were written about reality at the time and some were written on fantasy just yep. daydreaming about things and how things should how somebody else would approach the same thing or how you think somebody being involved in that situation would think yeah so it depends i don't know 
But does it bring you back? Like when you hear it, does it bring you back to the? Uh, you know, one of my most famous songs was sitting on the dock of the bay, and I got to thinking about it. I said, he was on Bill Graham's boathouse in Sausalito. He couldn't even see the Golden Gate Bridge from where. <laughs> then I found out what he was really singing about. When he was talking about ships, he was talking about ferries. And I said, oh. you got to be careful saying that word these days. <laughs> <laughs> that changes the whole song. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not giving royalties back. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> when you mm. when you revisit your older songs and, and stuff, do you ever have the impetus to change them? Uh, no, but some people do. It <laughs> wasn't there. And that's yeah. kind of up a little bit, so I try not to listen as much as possible. I was going to say, I yeah, because uh, I forget who said it, but I remember hearing a director one time saying, if he wanted his movie to be in Technicolor, he'd have shot it in Technicolor. So yes. a lot of a lot of these news, all these songs get remixed by people that wasn't even there because they're yeah. very good engineers. Well, sometimes they hit it, and then other times they bring something up that shouldn't be there. That you spent your whole day or whatever getting rid of it or putting it down in the mix so you can't hear it, letting something else, something else cover it up. And now you with the new technology of computers and all, you hear everything. I'm going, if I'd have wanted that in there, took it out. And a lot of songs went on the shelf, what we call the shelf in the library. I mm -hmm. said, I should have just erased them or got rid of them. Oh. Instead of leaving them on the shelf. We never right. knew. We'd, yeah. we'd take a song, a whole tape, cut the hit out of it that we thought was a hit, put the tape back on the shelf. <laughs> Never did yeah. Wouldn't cut over any of them, but there's a lot of those outtakes. Yeah, I, I find it so weird. And when I called like... a record company one time on some outtakes that were released. And right. I said, Why are you guys putting this out? I never put it out. I said, Well, Steve, that's art. I said, Art. <laughs> that is crap. That's not art. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I. I... It's always weird to me when they take stuff from people uh, that clearly didn't want it out. Like, like when anybody passes away and then they're like, so-and-so kept this in their vault for 35 years. I'm like, well, there's a reason it was in a fucking vault. For <laughs> he didn't forget about it. He was like, I hope you nobody know, sees this. It's nice to hear, but don't put it out for the public to hear. That's not right. You know? yeah. And that yeah. is the old, the old days. I remember Al Jackson looking at me one time. We were in a control room listening to something back and somebody said, Man, that sounds like a hit. And Al Jackson said, Steve, they're all hits until they're released. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great fucking line. That That's is, a great line. That is so true. They're all hits until they're released. Yeah. Let the artists decide whether it's a hit or not. And they will. You put it out, yes. you uh, don't play that again. <laughs> if they call you a hundred times, call a disc jockey a hundred times, say, play that song again that you played this morning. Okay. Over and over. Yeah. Charts used to be designed. That's how they told you what was number one, number two, number three, got on the charts. And yeah. Nowadays, I don't know what, what they put on the charts. I don't know why. I'm lucky that this album went on the charts. It went on at number one. Yep. Wow. Number Congratulations, one, man. Number two, five, seven, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. <laughs> so people used to ask me, how's your new record doing? I said, well, it's on the charts, 100 with an anchor. <laughs> <laughs> Oh it is. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, what was the, uh, uh, you know, you worked with everybody. Like, I feel like there's just, there's literally yeah. nobody you probably have not worked with. I got a couple questions in that vein. Were you ever intimidated to work with somebody for the first time? 
No. Okay. <laughs> I have to say no. All right. I didn't, and the I other... didn't let that element sneak in. I just, nice. I just ignored that element if it did. Right. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of projects that I thought on the front end, I don't know how I'm going to react, but uh, it came all together whenever I got into working with them. So it's, everything's fine. And, awesome. and most of those people, superstars, as long as you don't look up at them as superstars, they're just regular people. Right. If you treat them as regular people, they love you for it, for treating yep. them like normal people. So I, I've met a couple of artists that really expect you to treat them like a superstar. Right. I don't treat anybody like a superstar. If you don't like the way I'm treating you, and I'm treating you pretty good right now, if you don't like that, I won't stop. Just let me know. Oh my God. Uh, do you think. Okay, you're a cab. <laughs> Is there anybody that you, uh, you wish you could have worked with, like a missed opportunity? Uh, I don't know about a missed opportunity. I've had one artist in mind that I didn't work with, I wish I had of in a younger day, is Tina Turner. Oh, you wow. Could have done it. I mean, she did yeah. do it on her own. She, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, you know, she's not making records anymore, as far as I know. So, <laughs> right, but, uh, but I could have. I, I got to work, luckily, with Aretha and other, a lot of other people. But Tina would have been it, I think. And we back in the days when we had last night, that was back in the early sixties. Mm -hmm. We followed them around. We did the same tour that I and Tina Turner did. We fought. We were there the week after they were. So wow, and it worked out. Would that would you yeah, say I you were like of, we got a lot of flack, not a lot of flack, but a little flack, and they go, What are you boys doing here? We expect <laughs> a black band, an R and B band with last night. I said, Listen to us play. <laughs> we play and then they'd be inviting us over for dinner and all that sort of stuff, you know. Otherwise nice. they wanted to just shoot us in the head or knife us <laughs> Oh man. That's I gotta be know. crazy. That's what the music we grew up on. Why you know, why change it? Right. We did what we did. Yeah. Now the record uh, last night was done with a mixed group. I think Louis Steinberg played bass. Floyd Newman played uh, trom uh, played baritone, and and Gilbert Capels played saxophone, along wow. with our band. So we had Packy in it, Wayne Jackson on trumpet, Packy Action played tenor. Uh, who else was on it? Right? I was on it. Oh, Jerry Lee Smoochie Smith played the piano. And they and they there's been a book some books out and stuff saying, Well, Steve Cropper wasn't even in the marquees. Yes, I was. <laughs> they said, Well, there's no guitar on the record. I know that, but I'm playing the whole note on the organ. Right. The <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Was there I was that falls in line with another question I was gonna ask you too. Is there um do you hear when you're when you're making music, do you hear every instrument in your head kind of how it's gonna be laid out even if they're not playing it yet? No, I only hear what I'm listening to. Only hear what you're listening to. That's cool, though. And uh, if I don't, if if I expect to hear something and I don't, I'll either say turn up, or we'll add that instrument later. So. Oh, that's cool. And that happens. Yeah. And I I loved doing horns, you know, and and I guess I got my experience from watching uh, Otis do it. And nice. the horns love that, and then they got to doing their own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, was the guitar your first instrument? Uh, yeah, it was my only answer, basically. Right. I remember Otis, the first time he wanted me to hear him sing, he, I said, well, play something. He said, I don't play any piano. Do you play piano? I said, only enough to write with, and that's about it. Mm. So Marvell Thomas was teaching me chords on a piano to write with. Mm -hmm. 
And so Otis said, can you play some of them church quads? Quads. <laughs> <laughs> I said like this. I knew what he meant. Six, eight, six. <laughs> Ballad wise. One, two, three, four, five, six. That, 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 that's all. I played piano on these arms of mine. That was his first record. And he wow. had 17 in a row. <laughs> wow. By is our it, standards. He is generated there anybody? enough income that we call it a hit. Yeah. In a row. That's pretty good. Yeah. Some bigger than others. We know that, but, uh, you know. Oh, but that's not. Is there, what, do you have a song in mind that you, that you, you personally think this absolutely should have been a hit and never made it? Well, I boast sometimes on uh, a little song called Photograph. Yeah. Which Richard Perry was going to throw off the session because none of the band members liked it. And I looked wow. over, we were cutting out his Sunset Sound, I think, in L.A. And I looked over at Nicky Hopkins when he was alive. I said, Nicky, let's you and I go out and put a groove on this. So we went out and I just started ding and ding and ding. And <laughs> so about that time, Jim Kellner comes and sits down and Ringo came and sat down and Klaus Vollmann came out and sat down. And Bill Slay's Push the button, and we got Richard. Richard was somewhere, you know, on the phone, and we called him in and said, "Listen to this! Wow, <laughs> wow!" So that was a big hit single for Ringo. Every time I see your face, it that's a great me of places we used to go. Yeah, so, that's well, it. I George love that song. Wrote it for Ringo, but he didn't have time to go in the studio and do a full demo. So it was, it wasn't a full uh, record. At oh that my time. god! It was just a. He was more reciting this. The song and singing it every wow. time I see your face, it reminds me of the places. <laughs> Come on, man! <laughs> That's so it's true, though. Life. I saw him do it live, and is the same. It's exactly that. Well, but that song was an accident when I looked at Nikki and said, "Let's put a groove on." I was thinking more about just the groove of the tempo. I wasn't thinking right. about how I would how he would sing it later. You know, so right? It all worked out. Do you? When something like that happens, do you are you good at letting it go and just being like, that's how it turned out, or does it kind of sit with you? It's hard to say. I don't know. I don't have okay. a different formula that I do stuff with. Maybe I do, and they're not aware of it. Yeah. So I, I approach songs the same way I do every time. I I come up with a title. I start with a title that I know writes itself, and then you figure out something you'd say about it to make it work. And the other one is that you try to come up with uh, some music that'll go along with it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily have to fit. It's not like uh, I'm playing ice cream music or I'm playing park music or, you know, I don't think of it that in those terms. And and right. I used to pride myself in uh, in the fact that I like to do jingles. And uh, the, the best combination of something that sounds like uh, the product is Perkin. Right. And there were people that made that, you know, made that song a hit. But it was there to design to sell coffee. That's why the people that wrote it wrote it. So I like that idea. If you That's go for that, then maybe you'd be a good commercial writer. Who knows? Yeah. I like that you have all these varied yeah. interests when you're, when you're doing that kind of stuff. And you, you seem to like just enjoy the time you have playing with people in different bands and being on the road. Absolutely. Yeah, that's Make a out of it. And, and Donald Duck Dunn, my old buddy, bass player, he'd sit down on a session. He said, Boys, we're not going to make work out of this, are we? <laughs> if we are, <laughs> then I'm out of here. I'm going off. Love it. We'll have you... fun. And we're not going to enjoy it. So there you where go. Did this, where did this kind of positive outlook and attitude come from? Is it something you had since I'm you were a kid? School, I don't know. High school. <laughs> <laughs> if you have fun with sports, you'd have fun with music. And I what did you play Donald in high school? I met on a softball field in about the sixth grade. Oh, wow. Okay. 
So I've never heard that before, yeah, but I like that. If you have... At all. Wow. And we became musicians way later, way later. And uh, and how did you become a musician? Well, every, every guy in, in our class wanted to play guitar. Some of them made it, some of them didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just to get women, right? Well, that was the main thing. Why would you take up guitar for the big girls? <laughs> well, I was one, one the long-haired guitar player. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine if none of that worked to get women? Like men would just be we would we wouldn't even know how well, to I read. It doesn't work today. No, it my engineer a while ago, and he laughed. He's in the kitchen drinking some coffee, and I said, "You know, sometimes I hear a guy playing. I'll go. Well, he ain't getting laid tonight." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, comedi- comedians always secretly want to be mus- musicians because I feel like even like. A xylophone player can get fucking laid in a band. You know what I mean? And like, <laughs> like it doesn't like comedians. It's just hit and miss. Well, I, I have no idea, but I do know one thing. There used to be a, a series of jokes saying things, phrases, or whatever you never hear on a session in Nashville. Mm. So you never hear. This is one we always use. You never hear a guy walk in and said, "Hey, with banjo player, please remove your porch. You're blocking somebody." <laughs> 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 that ain't gonna happen in that. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love it, man. Um, well, listen, I, that's, I, that's I got changing. Guys yeah. out there in Nashville can afford a lot of things. They're doing very good with their music. Yeah. yeah, it's a so great place. Man. Is, I, I was born on a farm in Missouri. Mm-hmm. Listen, same music they were listening to in Kentucky. Right. They got smart enough. They, were, I guess, they were close to Nashville. They got smart enough to put a name to it <laughs> and uh, <laughs> bring it down here and sell it. Bluegrass. Nice. Oh, yeah. the people in Missouri. I don't know. They just missed the boat on that one. Yeah, it's the same music. I used to go listen to it all the time. I don't play it, but right. I, said one thing. I was on a bluegrass session. I've written some bluegrass songs. And I said, uh, when I got rid of Overdub on, I said, I don't have bluegrass chops, but I got bluegrass thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> do you still uh, do you still like going out and listening to other music, like other bands and stuff like that uh, while you're in the not air? A, not a, never did. I don't like going out and doing that all the time because I would get influenced by it very easily. Oh. Gotcha. Well, I have, and you know, I go out sometimes, and I heard a band the other night, and I said, that, those guys have backed me. I've worked with them and uh, done about three shows with them other than uh, golf tournaments and stuff. I didn't know they were that good. I knew they were good musicians. I didn't know they were that good. Wow. <laughs> little band yeah. called Six Wire. Six Wire. Okay, cool. I'll check them out. And, uh, they were on a TV show in Nashville. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's nice. a great show. The bass player and the lead singer, guitar player uh, we're on there as regulars every week. Oh wow, that's incredible! Nice. I, know. I probably I probably know who they are. Yeah, yeah that's a great show. Charles um, is a lead singer, and John uh, plays bass, and he was on there as, as a lead player. Oh, that's awesome. I've got I got two questions for you left that we ask every guest on the show. Uh, so, um, but I want to thank you for coming on, and we're gonna plug the Absolutely. album and stuff. Yeah, it's been a blast, man. Um, so first question is, if you could go back in time and give your younger self a piece of advice that would help you today, what would it be? <laughs> I'd have to think about that one. 
Uh, <laughs> don't give up Take your day job. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess what I would say is never stop, never give up, never stop. Just keep going, doing what you do. Nice. nice. If you get off on your own music, great. Yeah. So I have always said, if you're a guitar player and you can't hear the guys on either side of you, you're not playing loud enough. <laughs> Good point. Uh, that's the way it uh, goes. Uh, and the, and the other question. That. I'll turn down so I can hear everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, and the other question is, uh, what had to end in your life, good or bad, that led you to where you are today? One more time, John. Oh, oh, what had to end in your life, good or bad, that led you to where you are today? Uh, I don't know that one either. I know what got me where I am today. Okay. Success. <laughs> if I'd have put out 500 flops, I don't think I would have made it. Right. But I got fortunate to put out two or three that did make it. <laughs> and Fantastic. I them. And, and I tell this about the little song called Green Onions. I know I hear it today, but I feel so removed from that song. Really? That happened 400 years ago, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. I imagine you hearing it and being like, this is a great song. And they're like, "You, this is your song. <laughs> you're like, oh, shit. All right, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Which one are you most proud of out of all of Because you've had so many big. Uh, I have no idea. I mean, that's the one I'm listening to. I'm proud of the one I'm listening to at the time. You can't come the moment. Time, it wouldn't work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, so probably. I, I'm not being a smart aleck now. I, I'm just not that way. And uh, I, I always like things that, at the time, you know. Yeah, I don't in the moment. Reminisce about songs. I don't sit at home and look at the ceiling and think about this session or that session back when. I remember them all, and they're all the same. And uh, I guess some of the most fun I ever had was working with Tom Dowd in the studio. Oh wow! Okay. People like Rod Stewart and so forth. And sure. Uh, he flew me up to New York one time to play on a record, uh, Tire Hero Slim and Little Ann, a blues record. They, had, I, they put it out, but they never did do anything, so nobody would know me for that. So that's fun. But I remember. And uh, yeah. I love getting asked about your first session because I love talking about Prince Conley and I'm going home and all that. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I played on other sessions around town, too. And I know Chip's woman taught me a lot. And uh, I went to Chip's one day, and I said, Chip's, they're calling me to play on something. And I said, uh, I don't know what to play. And he said, well, just play what you feel. If, if the producer or the director or whatever doesn't like it, they'll tell you and they'll get you to play what they want you to play. I said, okay. And it worked. The other thing he taught me was to use an unwound G strand. Because oh, wow. in the you... old days, when you bought a set of guitar strings, the G came wound and you couldn't bend it. It was just too stiff to bend. Hmm. And he taught me to use a, a B string for a G string. Nice. And, uh, you know, they use a lot of bending up here in uh, Nashville or did for years in the early days. And they even invented a guitar that would raise, bend that uh, G string. So I know that Mar a guy named Marty Stewart had one of those guitars. Oh, wow. Well, and it sounds like a steel when you play it right. Yeah. Pretty cool. It's crazy how one little thing like that can change the way you play music. Yeah, it, it changes the ear conception of what something's supposed to sound like. Nice. Yeah. 
how often do you get asked to like pass down advice to younger younger people like if if, if there was a musician that well, came up to you today i used to get asked a lot i think i'm at the age now i don't get asked i'm not out that much so i don't get asked a lot <laughs> but what would be what would be the main piece of advice you would give a younger musician well i think that i said that earlier learn the business learn the business but, it's but take more than music to get you on top if you want to make it as a as a solo person Right. It'll take more than music to get you there. You can learn all the music you want to. It doesn't mean a thing if you don't know what to do with it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I do give this advice. I just said it earlier. If you're called upon, you better perform because if you don't perform, that'll be the last call you'll ever receive to be a musician. Yeah. Right. So have like a little both in you. I like learn, that you learn enough to get you by and learn the business. Yeah. I love learn that your advice comes from. I love that your advice comes from a place of. If they're asking me, they better already know how to play, <laughs> because that's <laughs> that's that's if what I love about that. You're, you're like, or you're not gonna get called yeah. back. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, th listen, thank you so so much for coming I on, dude. I really appreciate anytime. it. Yeah, I love the new album. Absolutely, it was such a pleasure. Yeah, and, and can't wait to see you live, man. Yep. One more time. Where is the best place to find the album? To find it. Oh. Yeah. Is it I out there on like Apple, iTunes? Or... That question. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know you have a website, so we can plug the website. Uh, you know, I, I don't know the answer to that question on the internet, Amazon, I guess. Sure. <laughs> there we go. We'll let well, them we'll, know. Get to Amazon and check yeah, it out. Yeah, we'll plug Steve your proper. website and stuff too. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks you, so much, man. You can get it anywhere, Plastic Records, or, you know, you can get the album. But you asked me <laughs> specifically where was the best place? I have no idea where the best place is. <laughs> <laughs> we just wanted you to invite us over to your house to get still have two or three left. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying. I was like, can we just come over? We'll just come over. We'll just come over and get it. Come on over, guys. <laughs> Everybody, you're just going to have like hundreds of people outside your house. <laughs> I can't wait. Thanks right. so much again. And it was such a pleasure talking to you. My pleasure. Such Take care, man. Dystopia tonight.